You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today's preacher is Pastor Brian Flammy. In the name of Jesus, amen. I've heard this said a handful of times this past week. The world seems to be on fire. It's burning down. Things are bad. I've never known such hatred, bigotry, violence, and mistrust. But as bad as things seem today, and I'm not convinced, actually, that they are that bad, they don't compare to what befell Jerusalem 1,947 years ago this August. Josephus, the Jewish historian, recorded an account of such treachery, corruption, hatred, ugliness, and violence in and among the people of the city of Jerusalem that it makes our latest social tensions seem tame. Add to the mix the heavy and brutal hand of the Roman general Titus, who sought to restore order, and the outcome was bloody. The starved city of Jerusalem fell to fire and the sword. Thousands upon thousands died. I mean, I heard numbers like millions died. And the ones who survived wished they had died when they were forced into slavery. The temple, on August the 10th of the 70th year of our Lord, fell. And to this day, there is nothing left of that temple but the ruin of its foundation. The same foundation that we just heard about in the Old Testament lesson. Now, Jesus said, if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Jesus is saying that that if those days of destruction, if God had allowed those days to continue, that would have been the end of the world. That's how t- terrible and horrific those days were. But for your sake, for the sake of those who would hear the gospel in faith and be baptized, God stayed his hand, and he confined his anger and his wrath and his judgment to that city for that, for that time. The surprise this morning, I think, is that even though the city and the temple and the people were destined for destruction, Jesus still desires and wants to enter through her gates, to come into her walls, to enter even the temple on the very day that he weeps over it and laments its destruction. Jesus still desires to cleanse her sanctuaries. He still desires to preach his word. And though Jesus promised that the city and its inhabitants and its leaders would harden their hearts against him, Jesus doesn't stop, let that stop him from speaking the gospel and from doing the very things 
that he said would make for her peace. And this is the theme for this morning. Though the foundations built out of men's unbelief will be destroyed, Christ continues to build the foundation of his church upon himself and upon his words of peace. And this foundation endures eternally. We should start by talking about the central reason for Jerusalem's destruction. There's a secular way to look at history, you see. Um, A way in which the historians will try to explain the destruction of Jerusalem as a combination of social factors, of social unrest, of uh, oppression from an outside power, and all these other things. That's true as far as it goes, but it doesn't get at the central point, the point that you must know so that you would be spared this destruction. You see, it wasn't really the treachery and the malice and the corruption of the people and its leaders that led, that led to their overthrow. It was their unbelief. The perversity of their ways was only a symptom of this much greater problem. And this is what Jesus is stabbing at when he says to them with tears in his eyes, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. Your enemies will not leave one stone upon another in you, because you did not know the time of your visitation. Jesus is not weeping because of the sufferings that he will endure. He is weeping over the judgment that must overcome them because they did not know their Savior when he entered through their gates on that Palm Sunday, mere days before his crucifixion and resurrection, weeks before his ascension to the Father's right hand. They saw Jesus entering into the gates, and yet they thought to themselves, this is just another man. If you read a little bit before in Luke's Gospel, you know what happened. Here Jesus is, ascending up the hill to Jerusalem, and who are trying, and who do you find trying to silence the procession and the joy and the loud cries of Hosanna? You find the rulers of the city, the Pharisees, the scribes, telling Jesus, make those men be silent. Who are they to say that you are a king? But then Jesus told them, if you force them to silence, even the stones themselves will cry out. Jerusalem was destroyed because they did not receive their Savior with faith. And this is the same destruction that comes upon all who do not receive the grace and the mercy and the kindness of God with faith. The same lesson was taught before, especially in the Old Testament. Jerusalem was, of course, destroyed before, in 585 B.C. During that time, Jeremiah the prophet told the people to repent of their wickedness, to submit to Nebuchadnezzar. And if they did these things, if they returned to the Lord, if they repented of their sin, 
if they heard the word with faith, and if they received the heavy hand of the Lord in this, uh, in this ruler of Nebuchadnezzar, then they would not be overthrown. Then their lives would be spared. Then they would not be destroyed. But they didn't listen. They had too much pride to listen. They had too much of a national identity to protect than to submit to the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. And so what did they do? The king who listened to the word of the Lord preached from Jeremiah, the same word that was written down in a scroll. He took the words of the scroll, the words of the Lord, and he threw them into the fire. That's how much he loved them and wanted to hear them. And then they had Jeremiah thrown into prison. Destruction followed. Even if you think back to the great prophet Moses. We see this example of how even he was blasphemed and despised that he would preach the word of the Lord and the people still would not hear him. They hardened their hearts against him. They made a practice of it. The same people who saw the salvation of the Lord in coming through the Red Sea. When they complained against the Lord's salvation and the preaching of the salvation, The Lord sent upon them destruction as well, this time in the form of fiery serpents. It is a hard lesson, but it is also a clear lesson, and one that we cannot escape. The rejection of the Lord and His Word leads to death. And especially today, we're reminded that it doesn't happen all at once. Uh, The destruction to come, the judgment to come. And the devil would want us to use this time where we don't feel judgment, where we don't see God's anger, as a time to harden our hearts. This is the preaching of the devil. He says, oh, I've just sinned. But God doesn't, he just didn't punish me, did he? No, he didn't. Well, maybe God doesn't actually care about my sin. Maybe he doesn't even see my sin. Maybe God doesn't really know uh, the anger that I have in my heart towards other people sometimes. Maybe God doesn't see when I look at another woman. Maybe he, he doesn't know where my mind goes in thoughts of lust and temptation. And if God doesn't see, maybe there truly isn't any kind of anger or judgment. Maybe, maybe those things that are called sins are really nothing at all. Maybe this is actually uh, how I ought to live my life, according to my, according to my very base desires. Maybe that, in fulfilling that, is what leads to true happiness. You see, this is how the devil would preach. That if we don't feel judgment right now, then it must be a long way off if non-existent. But in beginning to practice sin this way, right, we harden ourselves. So the preaching of God's law doesn't sink in as deep the next time. That the sin that we found hard and even shocking to do before now becomes easy and light. We make friends with sin, and we soothe our consciences with false comfort. 
But then see what the scriptures do. They hold up these very, very clear pictures of God's anger and his punishment and his wrath against sin. He does it to break the hardness of your heart. To shatter the stone that you would build up around your heart so that you could indulge in your pet sins. Jesus wants you to hear the preaching of the law and to know it as against you. That no amount of false comfort that you work up within yourself will be enough to spare you from the day of judgment. Jerusalem was hardened. They scorned Jesus and the Scriptures long enough that they didn't see the fulfillment of the Scriptures, even as he rode through David's royal gates on a donkey. And though their punishment wasn't immediate, it took, what, three decades yet to come, still it did come, just as Jesus promised, as we heard today in the Scriptures. That God is angry against hearts, hardened against sin, and even sorrows over them is not really the main point for today, though. The main point is what comes next. Jesus doesn't dust his feet off and say, well, Jerusalem, you've made your choice. See you later. He enters Jerusalem. He goes in that hour to the temple. And even though this Jerusalem is doomed, Jesus plants the foundation of a new and a better Jerusalem, of a new and better temple, where you and I and every Christian and every person who is saved will come and worship. In some ways, we might be able to look at Jesus entering into the temple as a, as a picture, a little picture of the judgment that was about to come on Jerusalem, you know, 30 or so years later. What does he do? He comes in, and in anger, he drives out those who sold. He drives them out. Why does he do that? It's because the temple is for hearing the word of God. It's for prayer. It's for receiving from God mercy. But these men have turned it into, as Jesus said, a den of robbers, a den of thieves. Because they thought the temple as the place that they would go to worship money by selling the victims for sacrifice. They thought that they could satiate their greed within the courts of the temple, and Jesus would have none of it. That is not why there is a temple upon the earth. The temple is upon the earth not so that men could indulge in their sacrifices for the sake of money, but that rather they would indulge and be satisfied by the sacrifices of God for their salvation. And then, after he drives them out, he doesn't leave the temple in silence. What does Jesus do? He preaches daily in the temple. He preaches within the courts of these stones that would fall. In not much time, the city and its residents would be no more. But Jesus, in this day, in this day of his visitation, remains, and he holds forth the mercy and the kindness and the love of God for sinners.
The city doesn't remain. Something exists now in this day where the city used to stand, but it is not the same Jerusalem. The temple no longer stands. Even to this day, a mosque stands upon the temple mount. But what does stand and what has never changed from that day is what Jesus says, is his teaching. What cannot be destroyed or torn down is even at this moment living and glorified in resurrection and ascension, and it cannot be touched by any sieging army by any amount of violence, by any amount of corruption. Indeed, he has overcome all of them by suffering it. He has proven that his word is mightier and that the things that he has promised to make peace between God and men, these things have been completed. This is the foundation of the church. This is the foundation for faith, and it is the foundation that stands firm for you, even in these troubled days. The Lord does not leave this world to be consumed by sin and death. Instead, he keeps his promises, and this gives you comfort. The final scene of the gospel lesson teaches us what these two distinct foundations look like. There Jesus is in the courts of the temple teaching. There is one group who is angry with Jesus, who is plotting his destruction, who is trying to find their opportunity to tear him down. And they belong to the old foundation, the people who love stone rather than the promises of God. And then you find also another people built on another foundation. And these are the people who are hanging on Jesus' every word. Who listen when he says that your heavenly Father loves you. That it is necessary for the Son of Man to suffer and to die, to enter into death, that you might live eternally. The people who are hanging on to these words, they will endure and live forever. They have what Jesus calls the things that make for peace. They have the blood shed for them. They have the resurrection that gives them hope. They have the promises in which they trust. For them, God's anger does not enter into the equation. There is no punishment. There is no judgment. There is nothing in heaven or on earth that can touch them. Why? Because they are built upon the living body of Jesus. And this, dear saints, is your foundation and your comfort and your hope. And so I tell you, in these days, take courage Don't be afraid. The world might be on fire, but that does not change the God who loves you and who has planted his word into your heart, who has planted faith into your heart. The world might try to save itself by its outrage and its hatred, but you know a love that comes from peace and that leads to peace. 
You know a peace of reconciliation by the forgiveness of your sins. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope.